Hi everyone and welcome to the latest in our pensions and de-risking podcast series. There's been a lot of focus on the large deals that have been becoming increasingly common over the last few years. So today instead we'll be focusing on the smaller to medium-sized deals looking at how they can attract attention from insurers and the best way that these schemes can prepare for a transaction. I'm delighted to be joined today by Usman Nazir, who is Head of Origination Structuring at Pension Insurance Corporation, and to be able to welcome back Rosie Phantom, who's a partner at Barnett Waddingham. Hi, Usman Rosie. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Rachel. So to kick off, Isma, I think firstly, it would be useful for our listeners to understand what size of scheme would be considered small to medium from an insurer's perspective. Could you just tell us what this means to you and perhaps give us a bit of an overview of the market in this context? Yeah, sure. So for us um, at Pension Insurance Corporation, small means the size which, uh, size of scheme which is less than 300 million and large would mean a scheme that's over a billion, with medium being anything in the middle, so between 300 to a billion. Uh, But what I would say is that this changes uh, depending on what's happening in the market. So for example, if you went back 10 years, um, a 300 million scheme would be a medium, even sort of slash large scheme, because there weren't that many large schemes around in the market. Um, And if you look in 2019, when uh, the market was at 40 billion with quite a few billion plus transactions in the market, some of them getting towards three to four billion, medium could be uh, a billion pound transaction. So the size really depends on what's happening in the market at that particular point. Then Rachel, you asked what this means for us and uh, the market in general. Uh, So at PIC, we'll participate in schemes that are between a size of 50 million and uh, all the way up until the billions. So we look at the whole of the market. Um, we will be selective on schemes low, lower than 50 million, so we can transact on those. Um, but other insurers you'll find participate in different parts of the market. So we often find uh, on those smaller schemes that there might be a three or four other insurers competing. And similarly, on the large larger side, you might get three or four. But those ones that are medium, actually, you get most insurers participating. So you could get up to eight insurance quotes um, because that size is attractive to all of the insurers in the market. Thanks, Isma. And Rosie, does that mirror what you're seeing? I think that is consistent, certainly around the segmentation of the market. Um, and I think it's important to note that you know that that's not a problem. That's a natural market um, behaviour where um, different market participants specialise on effectively what they're best at, what gives them the best chance for success. So the fact that there is that segmentation and, and yes, there's a bit of an overlap in the middle where where those de- deals around the medium sizes, as Osma describes, are you know more. Yeah, more, I guess more in demand to a point, but that's not actually a problem for schemes in the as long as there's a functional market for the size of scheme that you are, that's absolutely fine. To a degree, it doesn't matter what size you are as a pension scheme. It's more about actually understanding what that means in terms of your approach to the transaction. What does that mean in terms of your the preparations that you need to do and how you might segment um, or you know, approach up 
uh, a transaction for all of your liabilities in one go. So it's really just important to overlay that market context in terms of, you know, who's likely to play and who will be attracted to your particular scheme when, when the time comes to do that deal. And just recognising what that means and how you should then effectively re respond to the market. And I do think that, that that dynamic nature, as Uzma describes, is actually really key. So we have had periods of the market when it's been incredibly busy. Um, there's generally a sort of a baseline level of activity, but we do have kind of heightened points when, you know, yeah, I guess those thresholds for where insurers might want to participate uh, are put under more strain. And equally, we do have periods where, you know, the market just is a bit quieter. And so, you know, if you are kind of at, at the boundaries of where an insurer might participate, um, approaching around that point might actually help you to get more engagement than you otherwise would. Thanks, Rosie. Isma, from an insurer's perspective, why is the size of a scheme actually important? Are there different considerations for you when you're weighing up a smaller to medium scheme up against a larger scheme that's coming to the market? Thanks, Rachel. Yeah, there's a few things that insurers consider. So firstly, I'd say the volume of business that we want to write in a particular year. If you look at um, PIC, we generally generally write between four and a half to seven billion of business a year. Um, so when you're considering what size of scheme, you do need to do medium schemes and larger schemes to hit that volume target. But that doesn't mean that uh, we're not interested in uh, small schemes. Uh, we do see value in transacting across different sizes, but there are different processes that we follow. So for example, for a small scheme, we want to be able to quote on those small schemes regardless of whether we are busy writing medium-sized transactions or large-sized transactions. We want those to be business as usual. Um, so in order to do that, really, um, we've got a streamlined governance process at PIC. Um, that means it's, it's a lot easier for us to get uh, asset pricing, reinsurance pricing and governance to put a quote out to a scheme. And it really means that the team can um, carry on with um, larger transactions as well as working on smaller transactions. You don't have to choose. The other the other reason that it is important is because um, the size sometimes determines um, the, the, the level of um, board sign off that it needs. So for a very large transaction, there's a different internal process to go through for medium sized transaction and smaller size it's usually an easier governance process. Thanks, Isma. Tracy, it, it's obviously important for small and medium-sized schemes to attract attention from as many insurers as possible so that they can be confident that they're obtaining a competitive price for their transaction. So in your experience, how do schemes make sure that they will be attractive to insurers when they're approaching the market? So this actually starts a long time really before schemes actually approach the market. So it's really about doing kind of your proper homework. So insurers want to compete for cases that are have a high probability of completing. And that means that you need, um, you know, effectively solid foundations for those preparations. And I can say more about those in, in a little while. Um, so once you're armed with that solid preparation, ready to go to market, it's all about showing insurers that you have actually done all of that, you know, that, that good homework and then starting to engage with the market well in advance of when it's coming. So if you are anticipating approaching um, in you know, a, a couple of months, 
giving insurers visibility that that case is coming so that when they're looking at the pipelines they're aware of that but also to help them understand uh, any particular specifics um, around a given opportunity. So we often see that the price is really important and making sure that the affordability works. But also um, there is often other specifics that um, it can make or break a particular transaction. So I think helping um, insurers to understand what those specifics are and why they are important can also help the engagement so that you're not just asking for something completely spurious but you're able to justify right this is why um, this particular feature or you know, request is actually important for this particular case and then it's also important to give um, the insurers that visibility around the planned route transaction. So giving them the confidence that you know, the decisions can be made by appropriate stakeholders at the right time. And that is something that we do see that insurers will look for, insurers will ask about and will, will actually really want to understand. Um, because they recognise that actually if a scheme can't you know, articulate how it's going to make those big decisions, well, it's got a lot less chance of completing. And so uh, maybe, maybe this isn't the most attractive case and maybe there are other opportunities that they, they could put their time into. And then I guess finally, I just wanted to note that there are some situations where we do see that you know, there are some benefits to working exclusively with one insurer or with a subset of the market. Now, that isn't where you would typically start, Rachel, as you as you describe, you know, we try to get as much competition and interest as possible as your starting point. But there can be situations. So, for example, for a particularly small case or one where, you know, the price target is particularly challenging, where working to a price target with a smaller number of insurers or even in exclusivity with one can actually mean that you can get that transaction done, whereas otherwise it might have been very difficult to get the engagement. And that goes against the grain um, in the sense of wanting a lot of competition. But I think it's just important to note that there is more than one way to approach this. And it's very much for the scheme to kind of do that solid foundation, do that homework, prepare properly. And then when you do come to the market, um, you know, being responsive to the insurer's feedback so that you can actually uh, finesse that approach to market in the right way for your scheme. Thanks, Tracy. And Isma, would you add anything to that? I'd also add that having a price target and, and knowing um, whether you can transact or not is really key for small to medium-sized cases because, as Rosie said, insurers want the certainty that a transaction is going to happen. And um, Rosie and other de-risking consultants can give that uh, target and an assessment to schemes before they come to market. So um, for us as an insurer, if we know that the scheme's got that advice, they know that a transaction is going to happen and they've got their preparations in, in place, then that is seen as attractive. Also having the good governance that Rosie talked about and all of the preparations is good. It means that the transaction isn't going to be delayed from our perspective. Thanks, Isma. So Rosie, if you had to come up with the top three things for small to medium sized schemes to do to get transaction ready, what do you think they would be? 
I guess my top three areas, I think, come into kind of, I guess, three different buckets. So the first of those is data and benefit preparation. So this is all about having the information that you need to support the transaction, but also having enough confidence in that information that it's actually right. So most transactions, particularly at the smaller and medium size end, um, are transacted relative to, you know, a data schedule and a benefit specification. The insurer is not taking the risk that the information there is wrong. And so that is why it's really important that trustees genuinely think that this is the right information and this insuring these liabilities is actually going to ultimately um, cover the scheme's obligations. And then my second, I guess, bucket for kind of key transaction preparations is all around you know, what are your objectives. So understanding what you're looking to achieve so that you can be really clear when you do approach the insurers and say this is what um, I'm wanting to do and also the trustees and the sponsor are both on board with what those objectives look like because that is how successful transactions happen when you've got consistency on both sides of the fence. And then picking up, I think, on Osma's point, there is an important part around testing affordability. So being able to do that work, as, as Osma rightly says, and, and have some advice around you know, checking that the, the transaction affordability is there, but then also being able to explain that to the insurers. And that can be things around um, you know, a potentially a gilts price target or a pound amount price target relative to the scheme's assets, or even allowing for a sponsor top up as well. And then I think it, the final facet of this is being able to set out your priorities. So you could have a wish list as long as you're on, you know, many contractual terms, yeah, the best pricing, you know, features around GMP equalization, all sorts of premium payment flexibility. But particularly for the smaller and medium sized schemes, it's very much a case of being clear about what your top priorities are and not just overwhelming insurers with a long list of everything that they need to do because you're less likely to get actually the key things that you really need. So being able to say this is exactly what you need to deliver, I think really does help the insurers focus on those particular points. And then my final bucket in terms of preparations is picking up on that kind of you know, deal execution, being able to make decisions at the right time. So it's really about decision making and governance. So this is you know, making sure that you have a plan to be able to get timely trustee decision making, timely sponsor engagement. And sometimes that does need to go you know, overseas to the parent company, for example, and having a clear path for what that is actually going to look like in the throes of a transaction is really important. And then being able to just communicate this to the trust to the insurers. So being able to say that, you know, this is when the decisions will be made. You're going to deliver a quote by this point. We will then have a meeting with all of the stakeholders and be able to make those decisions. That is what the insurers are looking for so that they can see that this this transaction is actually ready to go. So I think those are my, I guess, three key buckets of kind of transaction preparations. Um, but I do realise that, I guess, particularly in that objectives piece, Rachel, there is an element of thinking about any contractual terms. And I did wonder if you um, you know, had your views on kind of how, how smaller and medium schemes should approach their contractual terms. Thanks, Rosie. Well, I completely agree with what you said around that. I, I don't think it's helpful for schemes to send insurers a really long list of requested contractual terms when 
in reality, although they might be nice to have, they're not particularly important in the context of a particular transaction. So I'd advise trustees to take a proportionate approach, focusing on the terms that will be key for their particular circumstances. And that will help with making the scheme attractive to insurers and will also make for an efficient process for the trustees, both in terms of time and also advisor fees, which obviously can be particularly important when we're looking at the smaller to medium sized schemes. Then from a practical perspective, as you said, Rosie, if there are particular points that need to be accommodated around, for example, premium payment, it's really best to be upfront about those with the insurer. And similarly, any particular timeframes for tasks to be completed during verification, um, including plans for GMP equalisation, are best discussed at an early stage to make sure that the insurer can actually accommodate what the trustees want to do around those things. If trustees are planning to run any liability management exercises, so for example, pension increase exchange exercises or transfer value exercises, then the contract will need to contain flexibility to allow for those. So again, that's something that would need to be discussed up front. And then finally, the trustees end goal will obviously be to eventually move to buyout and to get an effective statutory discharge for the benefits that have been insured. So from a legal perspective, it's important to make sure that the contract will contain provisions to allow for that. Isma, is there anything that you'd add to that? In terms of the contractual terms, I agree, Rachel, that a proportionate approach is what's needed. And for us, I think I think now actually even across the market, the common practice is for these requests to come through at a best and final pricing round. Um, that that's usually when there's two or three insurers left in the process, and that way you're responding to the points when you know that it's you've got a good chance of winning the transaction. If you do it quite early on, we find it's it's not effective because you've got lots of insurers spending time looking at contractual terms when they might not even be shortlisted. Um, and I'd also say that given that given the market is 15, 16 year, years old, and we've worked with all advisors, legal advisors, actuarial advisors, most um, most people know what insurer terms look like and, and what points that you are able to give contractually and what ones are uh, more difficult. So responses to um, contractual terms shouldn't really be a surprise. Um, and in fact, with some of the uh, law firms and consultancies, we've got pre-agreed contractual terms so that that can really streamline the process and you don't need to be negotiating every single time on the same um, same points. Um, and I think that is important as the market grows and evolves. There's, there's sort of two, three trillion billion of DB liabilities out there. If we can streamline things and make things more efficient, then that um, is important. Also, just to echo Rosie's point earlier on about decision making, I think it's really important to have to know who the stakeholders are and get their engagement really early on. Uh, what looks attractive to us is when we get an RFQ which says uh, we've already talked to the decision makers. There's a joint working group in place. It's going to meet on these set dates, which are around the times that we'll be putting quotations and decisions are going to be made at this at these meetings. Um, that to us shows that the transaction is serious and there's not going to be any delays. 
Um, sometimes we do get processes where that isn't done and then we put in a quote and then by the time it's been discussed with, say, the sponsor who might be overseas, the quote's then out of date and it needs refreshing and people aren't fully engaged in the process so you don't know whether it's going to complete or not. And lastly, Rachel, just to echo one of your points about uh, benefits and making sure that they're right, um, often schemes have discretions in their rules, which when it comes to um, to, to, to insurance, those discretions need codifying and um, having advice about how to codify those and what insurers can do is helpful early on, it, especially um, if it's your first time doing a particular transaction you might not be familiar with um, with what insurers can or can't do. So look to your advisors to help you with that. Thanks, Isma. Um, and thank you to, to both, both of you for a really interesting and informative discussion looking at things from, um, from all angles. Thanks very much and see you all next time. Thanks, Rachel. Thanks, Rachel.